gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. It's B-Sides time. We're here to do B-Sides, B-Sides, B-Sides. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to kick this B-Sides off with X-Factor number 75, the all-new, all-different giant size issue, 75th X-Factor, 75th, and now Mr. Sinister and the Nasty Boys. Spoilers. Yeah, really. I mean... <laughs> It was a, kind of a good surprise if you didn't pay attention to the cover. I mean, you could redo this cover without the diamond in this man's forehead and without the red eyes, and you'd be like, oh, I wonder who this guy is going to end up being. Honestly, I thought it was Archangel. I mean, if you do all the shading and whatnot, it could be Archangel, but the diamond kind of gives it away. And of course, Archangel. Mr. Yeah, or Mr. Sinister and the Nasty Boys also gets it away. But you're right. Archangel's not on the cover of this, so if they... Yeah, if they recolor it all, uh, then then you might be misled into thinking that's Archangel in the back because you've got the rest of X Factor in the foreground. Yeah, but I, I guess Archangel's technically an X Man, so that'd be a weird misdirect. But it could have. Well, done he something could be else. back. He used to be a member of X Factor. True. And True. I, I oftentimes have terrible memory and forget who the members of every team are. Sure. So I would have just been like, "Oh, huh, Archangel, cool." So, yeah, Mr. Sinister's back. You can't see any of the nasty boys. It's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you see a big gun, you see a hairy guy, and you see a green guy all coming at X-Factor from the front. So you can't really make out any detail, especially none of the hairy guy. Yeah, I'm not a, a huge fan of the name nasty boys. I feel like Mr. Sinister is better than that, but. I like the the name, the nasty boys. It's it's a good throwaway name for something that is probably not going to stick around. Yeah, who knows? Um, of course, Peter David's doing a thing, right? So he, he, he likes to, it seems like he likes to be a little wacky. Yeah. So um, the cover is, uh, let's see, uh, Larry Stroman's doing the pencils and it's, uh, it's very Larry Stroman. Um, it's fine. I don't know you if it. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I don't know if it's worthy of a 75th uh, issue cover, but, you know, it's fine. Well, as a double-sized issue, it did go by pretty quickly, I thought. Yeah, I was a little worried when I was like, oh, man, this thing's like 36 pages. And I was like, oh, right, it's a 75th issue. Um, it drags a little bit, but you're right, it, it does move fairly fast. Um, and I can definitely say that in the old collecting days... I had definitely stopped before this issue came out. As had I. Yeah. Even the draw of the 75th issue, I probably took one look at this cover and I'm like, this is never going to be worth anything and put it right back down. But I don't know that for a fact. I don't think I've ever seen this issue. We had to have because we were going to the comic book shop at this time. I mean, it might have been a brief like eyes glancing over as we went to whatever the latest. I guess we were getting our X-Men's and and whatnot in our bags. So I think it... if I saw the cover, I probably didn't realize it was a 75th issue or that it was giant-sized, because I feel like I might have gone in on that, but probably not. Yeah, because I think at this point, at least for me, if I was looking at the racks, I was just looking to see, is there a new Aliens or Terminator or Predator or other Dark Horse thing that I wasn't aware of? Or I was... Cover. <laughs> I was Well, right. I was also looking at, like, a lot of Vertigo stuff because um, I would would have been collecting Shade at this time, and I think I wanted to collect Sandman, but I could just never pull the trigger to buy an issue of it. So I was always looking for interesting covers there. So 
I had to have seen it. <laughs> I just don't I remember it. Time, wasn't there a bunch of different, uh, or maybe that came later. When did Malibu start? Was that before or after Image? What? It, I thought Malibu, was Malibu the publisher for Image? No, Malibu was a separate, it was like a whole new universe was their big tagline. It was like Malibu, a universe you can start with from the beginning. Mm. It had a whole bunch of different characters and it seemed like they were really gunning for a, a universe, but then they kind of disappeared. And I think Marvel owns Malibu now. Oh, some. So, or maybe DC does, but like those characters can now appear in one of the main comics. I don't know. Somehow my brain connected Malibu to Image in some... I think it was around the same time, so that, that might be why. Yeah. So no, I, I would have had no idea what was happening uh, with Malibu at this time. Because in my mind, Malibu didn't exist until Image existed. But that's clearly not right. That could be. I mean, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I only had a handful of Malibu comics. I know one of them was Sludge. Nope. I had for the first three issues of Sludge. I'm going to look it up here. I had to have had some Malibu comics. I think I did as well. The only ones I remember are Sludge, though. I um, might not. Probably don't have them anymore. As I... Oh, yeah. Does Marvel still own Malibu comics? Malibu comics. So there was a a time... Let's see. Um, I had a, mm-hmm. Air Cell. So it looks like they acquired a whole bunch of comic books to create a universe. I have no idea. It's very possible that I I own no Malibu comic books. No, oh. because none of this this <laughs> this uh, really quick twenty second research that I'm doing uh, is jogging any memories. And there's a YouTube video called "The Quick Rise and Fall of Malibu Malibu Comics." They kind of looked cheaper than all other comic books, so it might it could easily be a thing where you looked at it and you were like, "This looks stupid. I don't want to." <laughs> I mean, I was buying super prestige like image or anything. I was buying things from different publishers. So let's see. In, um, X-Mutants. Um, maybe I bought one of those because it sounded like an X-Men. That's November 1992 to 1994. Everything. None of this other stuff. The Ferret, Genesis, Gravestone, Man of War, Arrow, Airman. And then they got the Ultraverse in 1995, which is, I think is what you're maybe talking about. Oh, the Ultraverse? Maybe or, that. Yeah, that could be. Actually, looks like it started maybe in 1993. Exo Man That's like a video game, isn't it? Well, this is just this is just Man of War. But there was there was Exo Man War, which was one of those other. wasn't DC Wasn't Marvel. Who's Turok? I think Turok was a video game. Turok was a video game, but I don't know if it did start off as a comic. I thought so. Uh, Exo Man War started off as a comic, and then. There's definitely Exo Man War versus Iron Man, which I always thought was, or maybe not versus Iron Man, Exo Man War and Iron Man, uh, which I actually own for the Sega Saturn. And I was always like, this is weird because Exo Man War is, it's like Valiant Comics or something like that. Somebody else. How do they get the rights to pair these two characters together? Okay, so Turok is Valiant Comics. I forgot about Valiant Comics. Who the heck were Valiant Comics? Well, this says Turok was dynamite comics oh really i don't know maybe it shifted hands dynamite it might be currently dynamite. Oh, that could be because valiant was way back when and uh dynamite's a current comic company 
I don't think they existed in the, the 90s. X of Manowar, published by Valiant Comics, written by Jim Shooter, Steve Engelhart, and artists were Bob Layton and Barry Winter Smith. Right. Valiant Comics was Jim Shooter's brainchild. Okay. All right. There you go. And then yeah, here we go. Oh, in 1996, Acclaim Entertainment bought Valiant for $65 million. So that would explain the video game. Although, so Acclaim must have had rights on Marvel characters and somehow... They were able to combine them in the medium of video games. Maybe. Huh. I'm just guessing at that part because that video game exists and it doesn't look like Valiant ever had a, a Marvel presence. There was a cross. I think there was a Valiant and Image crossover that was like uh, they were like those trade paperback style comic books. The comic books with the, the spines, the kind of thick spines. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were all double-sized issues and i think they all had color colorful covers that are shiny um and i have like two of them i think i have the silver one and the blue one or maybe the yellow one and i don't remember anything else about them other than the covers here we go iron man and exo man of war in heavy metal oh that sounds cool uh it's actually it's not bad it's a it's a it's a really nice uh uh sprite driven um side scroller featuring iron man and exo man of war i'm i don't know if it did well i mean because at at night at this time in 1996 it looks like when it was published everybody would have been doing like playstation 3d games um so this would yeah it didn't get very good scores here from a reception standpoint but i the style of the artwork uh, or the sprite work i should say um, would probably play really well in today's sort of retro throwback pixel art but uh, yeah, there you go. The character Bloodshot was adapted into an eponymous 2020 film starring Vin, Vin Diesel. Oh. Did you see that? I remember when that came out what? and uh, I did not go see it. Bloodshot. No, I didn't see that. I remember it coming out and being like, that's weird. Nobody I... knows who Bloodshot is. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that that movie even existed, to be honest. Magnus Robot Fighter. I remember that too. Nope. I think... By the nineteen nine by nineteen ninety three nineteen ninety four, I think I was completely out of comic books. I'd moved on to other things. Nineteen ninety four, I'd have been, I'd have been eighteen, by too old for comic books. Still had them. I was like, I don't need these dumb comic books. I'm an adult now. And then uh, a couple of years later, I proceeded to buy all of the Star Wars action figures when they were re released with the special editions, continuing to prove that I was an adult. <laughs> uh, and then it wouldn't have been until so God, like power of the force series or something like that yeah that that well when they re-released them all um after the special editions i went into target one day and i was like these are cool <laughs> and then i bought them all and, and me and a uh co-worker would trade all the variants because there was like boba fett with round circles and square circles and red paint and blue paint there was all these and log saber short saber Long tray, short tray, all these variants that were meaningful to us at the time that I don't think anybody cares about anymore. Who knows? Uh, that was a good time. Uh, and then I um, I yeah, probably didn't start picking up comics again until I was 26 or 27. So there you go. It's a big gap in my comic book knowledge that we're rapidly uh, approaching. Hey, I, same. When I quit comics, is is rapidly approaching as well. For the for the first time, I think I quit quit comics twice. Yeah, I mean it's e to it twice. 
it was definitely very easy to get back into it because I'm trying to remember. The mistake is always to go into a comic shop and you're like, oh, that's the thing still. I, I should pick that up, see what's going on. Yeah, I don't remember. I think you or somebody else turned me on to Astonishing X-Men. That would be me. Probably you. Uh, and then and then I... A hardcover. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, which I, I treasure. I love that one. Um, but I was buying individual I issues for a while. Because at one point, you know, I don't know if it's still the case, but you could go into a comic book store and there'd be like seven months worth of comics there. And you'd be like, well, shoot, I'll take issues three through ten. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that still exists. And then, you know, it spirals out of control quickly because you're like, oh, well, what's this? This looks interesting. And this looks interesting. And this looks interesting. But there was another seed as well when uh, a coworker of mine lent me his Invincible trade paperback, like the first three Invincible trade paperbacks. And you, you really dig Invincible, right? You read the whole thing, right? Yeah, I read the whole thing. Yep. Um, I more or less. Well, I don't. I don't think I own a single Invincible comic book, but I own a big chunk of uh, the trade paperbacks. Because after our, I read the three that he had, then I was kind of caught up, and then every. I guess six months or so, I'd, I'd get the latest trade added to the shelf. Uh, and then somewhere along the line, I just happened across Walking Dead, the first two trades of that. And I was like, oh, zombie comic books. That's neat. I like zombies. And I bought those. And, and then I did, yeah, then I just bought all the rest of the Walking Dead's trade paperbacks. I don't think I own a single comic book issue from that as well. I'd like to think that in one of my stops in the comic book store, I saw issue number one, but it probably had to have been a reprint. It's worth a lot of money now. And well, whether I saw it or not, I I didn't buy it, so it's kind of irrelevant. But yeah, I, I'm, I also do not own. I but I I never finished Walking Dead or Invincible. I just read whatever the library had at that time, which was probably the first seventy issues of the, of. of Invincible in the first hundred issues of I made it past a hundred for for Walking Dead, but never finished it. Yeah, Walking Dead and Invisible kind of drag, uh, and then Kirkman must have realized that, and then he he does a one eighty, kind of makes it more interesting, and then basically ends the series, uh, which was for the best. And I think both of them have a, a pretty satisfying conclusion. Invincible was definitely getting long in the tooth. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> What else can you do? Oh, we're doing this. Oh my gosh! <laughs> there was a, I didn't know if I was going to make it, but I I stuck it out, and uh, I couldn't tell you what happened at the end, <laughs> but I remember not being disappointed. Um, Walking Dead ends very uh, uh, satisfyingly, in my opinion. The comic book. I never. I stopped reading it just for the reason that I think I was caught up, and then I just never got back to it. Got back to it. Maybe I stopped going to the library or something. I don't know. Well, it drags too. I mean, once you get done with most of the Negan stuff, it's kind of like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's about where I stopped was right after, I think, right when they were going to the the big war storyline. Well, in the war storyline, he wanted to do a 12-part year-long series. And it's like, okay. <laughs> you get about eight issues in, you're like, could you just wrap this up? Like the same thing is happening over and over again. That ends that that war ends pretty satisfyingly. It, it's too long, but it ends satisfyingly in my opinion. Uh, and then they go on to some other stuff, which uh, kind of like they do like a time jump, and I don't know, it just 
It, I finished it, uh, but it, it definitely drags. And then it has a good ending. Maybe one day I'll get back into it. One day. One day. But not today, because today we're talking about X Factor. Are we? Okay. X Factor? <laughs> yeah, so this one's written by Peter David, penciled by Larry Stroman, inked by Al Milgram, lettered by Michael Heisler, colored by Glynis Oliver, edited by Bob Harris, and Tom DeFalco is the editor in chief. There's a person who's watching a TV, and it actually looks like it's an HD widescreen TV, which is crazy. I'm glad you said that because I was also going to say that. Yeah, it's like it's flat-ish and it's, it's wide. Nineties. This TV is a is a is is a rarity. I don't. I think it's too early for this TV, but maybe I'm wrong. I remember seeing in uh, the X the first X Men movie, which came out in what 2000, 2000? I want to say it was like nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, but yeah, somewhere around that time period. There's a widescreen TV in the bar scene, and I was like, oh, that's unusual. This is like ten years prior to that. Well, Sony, and I don't know if Sony had any interest in Fox or the X-Men movie at the time, but, but Sony definitely had a, uh, a CRT or a tube widescreen HD TV that weighed you know, 700 pounds or something like that. Um, and they're pretty sought after these days uh, just due to their fidelity and quality. But I feel like 1993, it's just too early for a widescreen TV. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was like like Uber video file. Uh, Larry Stroman's like, oh, I want one of these so bad. I'm just going to draw one. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's ahead of the curve, apparently. And somebody is throwing tomatoes at this, what probably is a very expensive television, specifically at Strong Guy. And we learn it's it's Slab. So I had to, re- I couldn't really remember who Slab was. He was in the last issue. He's the guy who fights Strong Guy at the... Uh, the what is that uh what is the name of that place where they went washington washington monument yes thank you yeah oh yeah they knocked it over or something yeah something like that so uh so they're watching the interview where i guess strong guy is reacting to what happened but slab is already here so the timing is a little confusing right did he just leave and hurry over to the apartment? It's like, oh, I got to watch this on the news. Right. Because this looks like, well, I mean, I guess this could be recaps of interviews or is it what? live? I don't know if it's live or not. Yeah. But why is he eating a tomato? Do people do that? <laughs> he is. He has a bite out of a tomato. Yeah. I guess he does. Um, back chips. There's a car- knocked over carton of milk. The nasty boys are gross. Yeah, he's got uh, several. Slab has a few tomatoes that he started. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like he takes one bite out of them and moves on to the next one. Maybe he takes a bite out of it, hurls it at the TV, and then takes a bite out of the next one. But one of these guys that has like long fingers, I think his power is to like just grow his body. He's yelling at him. That's Gorgeous George. Or no, because he he mentions his name like three times in this issue. Is Gorgeous George the hairy guy or the purple guy? He's the purple guy. Okay, so purple guy doesn't care about the TV. It's the the hairy guy that's like, stop throwing produce up the TV. Hairy guy has a funny name too, but I forget what it is. <laughs> we'll 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 see it. I'm I'm sure. Look at the poster behind them of the rocker. Is who's that supposed to be? Let's. Oh, it's some heavy metal rocker for sure. I was gonna say let's assume it's Dazzler, but no, it's not. No, it's it can't not. be. And it's certainly not Lila Shinee either. It's a dude. With uh, flowing long hair, so maybe somebody from like the white snake, white snake style of music. Sure, 
These guys, I mean, there are candy bars on the ground. There's records on the ground and a basketball. I mean, these guys are like 15 years old, it, it looks like, based on their decor. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they have heavy metal posters in their little, their little um, secret club house. Hairbag is his name. Well, uh, shut up, Hairbag. This whole operation is all your all you've been doing is flapping your gums. Why don't you go do something useful like chase a car or something or find a fire hydrant so you don't go get be so cranky around us? Yeah, and and uh, he doesn't like that. Uh, so he's about to feed on his intestines when Mr. Sinister descends the stairs and says, hey, guys, stop fighting. When's the last time we saw Mr. Sinister? Last time we saw Mr. Sinister. Well, it could have been in the last couple of issues, because remember there was like a, a dude that was set up well, to be like the nemesis? It's the last time we saw that right. Mr. Sinister do something outside of this arc. It was in X-Factor, I think it was in X-Factor, where Cyclops uh, um, liquefies him, basically. Oh, okay. Remember there's, that, that, there's an optic beam blast and kind of a red mist. I mean, he destroys Mr. Sinister with his optic blasts. Hmm. And so we we know, and we knew at that time, that Mr. Sinister comes back. And I'm sure at some point, not in this issue, but it'll be established that Mr. Sinister's got all sorts of clones. Because that's his thing, is cloning. Yeah. But I, I don't think that that was set up, teased, uh, or even known at that time. And so I'm sure they knew that they were going to bring Mr. Sinister back at some point. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But... Maybe Peter David was like, hey... That Mr. Sinister guy was cool. I'm going to bring him back. Yeah, we need a nemesis for X-Factor. Mr. Sinister was more or less born in the pages of X-Factor. Let's make him the the nemesis and eh, cloning. That's what we're going to go with. He's a cloner. It makes sense. wonder if they'll establish cloning. Well, I mean, they kind of already did establish that he develops clones, but we don't know that he has his own clones yet. So I wonder if that'll be established right. in this Peter David run. So there's a couple of other dudes on the team named Ruckus and Ramrod. They're out buying beer. Right. Oh, man. So, I don't know. They, they they talk for a while. They've named, they've renamed mutants to geeses, I guess. I don't remember. GCs. GCs, that's right. Genetically challenged. I keep I kept reading that reading that this issue as geeses, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> but yes, I now I remember GCs. Yeah, it was a strong bad coining or strong guy strong strong bad oh my gosh hey, it's a strong bad uh it's a strong guy thing a strong bad should be on this team too i know he should be a nasty boy <laughs> uh strong guy said we we need you need to stop calling us muties or mutants now we're gonna be gc's genetically challenged it took me a while to remember what gc stood for yeah was it genetically compromised no, what a cha- oh yeah, challenge. That was that was that was in vogue right now, saying things were something challenged. Oh, okay. Is that where that came from? I'm guessing. I I, I don't know. Let's go with it. I feel like that was a thing. Could it might not be though. Strong bad's gonna leave. Strong guy. Oh, I'm gonna do that the entire. <laughs> yeah. Strong guy. It wants to leave the team, but Havoc says no. You're staying put because. Uh, Somebody is clearly out there trying to split us up, so you don't want to let them win, do you? That strong guy said, uh, all right, we, but we better get to the bottom of this quickly because I'm getting irritated. And apparently there is a uh, – he's got a phone. There, there's a phone call set up with Moira McTaggart, but 
we'll first cut over to the aforementioned Ramrod and Ruckus at the beer store attempting to steal the beer. Well, they don't just attempt to, but I think they kill the the cashier. Oh yeah, they're they're picking up some beer and she rings them out. She's like, first can I see some ID? Because as we've established, these guys are teenagers. Second, you're gonna need some money. And they're like, We my ID is this stick and my money is in your register. Give me the money and keep some for yourself. And so she hits a little alarm to notify the police and he's like, That wasn't very good. And then yeah, you're probably right. Like he uh, Ramrod, I think is his name, hits her with his stick, because he's got that's his power, is his stick. And then Ruckus is able to, it's kind of a neat power, he's able to absorb sounds uh, and then fire them back. So when the police show up uh, with all the alarms and whatnot, uh, he absorbs all those and then screams them back. Yeah. And it looks like he, I don't know, looks like he severely hurts and or kills the police. The cashier uh, as, uh, says, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Does she? No. <laughs> I was like, that would have been amazing. And how would I have missed that? I guess this is a little early for that, isn't it? I think so, yeah. So the call with Moira McTaggart, uh, first of all, when we last saw Moira McTaggart, I believe it was X-Men, when it had been revealed that she had altered the genetics of Magneto to make him good, and she was heading back to somewhere uh, all upset. So I guess she went, she went back to Mirror Island, and now she's not so upset. Well, she's still upset, but she's hiding it for this phone call. Okay. Uh, and so what we work out of all of this dialogue here is that uh, a while ago, Jamie Madrox split, and one of them uh, was, was able to split for long enough to sort of develop his own mind, which is why Jamie couldn't automatically pull him back. And when you covered Fallen Angels, I didn't read it, and I don't remember anything about it. That Jamie was the fake Jamie. Yes, it is eventually established that fake Jamie went on the Fallen Angels adventures, which was kind of, it's kind of neat. Um, it's also kind of weird. I mean, but I guess that's how retcons work. So through all of this, they get the evidence that they need that the trench-coated Jamie Madrox, who I think was the one that accused the costume Jamie Madrox of being a phony, is the real Jamie Madrox and the one that's got the X-Factor costume that's been in shackles is the fake. And so Jamie Madrox is like, all right, cool. I'm glad we settled this. Uh, let me absorb you. Yes. And after uh, he does, he has an evil grin on his face. Right. So you know immediately that he is not the real one. Throughout all of that, though, there is a moment where Lorna Dane is like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry about all this think you're really sweet and fun and i'm sorry so was there like a love interest between lorna and jamie madrox i don't think so just, i think she's just being nice to him okay just it's kind of a weird i don't know weird little thing um but more importantly than that val cooper says goodbye to her ex-husband um, i can't remember his name uh he he they there's a little kiss they're they're on good terms but they're still exes and he rolls up the window and, and he's like i'll see you later and i think that that's important for a thing that happens later and Evil Jamie gets in the car with this person, and this person then turns out to be uh, Mr. Sinister. And it's kind of neat because he rolls down the window, and it, he's he's got a kind of a flat top hairstyle, which is very uh, much what Mr. Sinister has. And as the window comes down, you see like his hair and his forehead, but when the window's all the way down, it's Mr. Sinister. Feel like they could have done that paneling a little bit better, but we get I got the idea of what was happening here. Hello, 
Edmund, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Madrox. Greetings, Madrox. Care for a lift? Oh, and also... Sinister J- scheme is this, says Alex humorously. Ha 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 ha. Jamie Madrox here, now that has, he has absorbed the quote-unquote fake Madrox, is like, well, guys, glad we settled that. Um, I got to go and think. Um, I don't know if I'm going to join your team. So get back to you. Laters. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. But I will definitely get back to you one way or the other. Later. And then, what's going on with Quicksilver? Quicksilver, uh, there's a doctor who is putting Quicksilver under a stress test who says that you're, you are perfectly healthy and that your problems are psychosomatic. Yes. And Quicksilver's like, what? That can't be. Yes. So, not sure what's going on here. It doesn't really get resolved. No. And I didn't know if this was like, you know, when we had first seen him, the idea was that every time Quicksilver ran fast, he was speeding up his metabolism uh, and aging that much faster. So I don't know if that was set up in a different comic and they're just like, you know, let's not do that in this or if this will pay off in a different way. Up in this comic, but, oh. you know, who knows? Well, he had I mean, sh- the first time we saw it was in X-Factor 72 or whatever, but right. I guess... It could have been established in a previous one. Yeah, I didn't know if that was carried over from like Avengers or something else where they were dealing with uh, inhuman stuff. But I don't know. I feel like it was established for this plot. I mean, we'll see if it. I feel like it's a red herring and it'll come back. Sure, that makes sense. That doctor will turn out to be a crony of Sinister or something. Oh. Yeah, maybe it's another Mister Sinister cr- uh, clone. Could be. So Madrox, turns out, is part of the Nasty Boys. And he's like, all right, guys, good to see you. High five. Yeah. And And Mr. Sinister's there. And the senator from uh, the last issue who said that he was going to put a ban on, I don't remember what he said, but he showed up at the Washington Monument and said, this is the last straw for mutants. I can't stand mutants. He's also at the the meeting. We're going to make a law against mutants. He also, turns out, is a mutant who has eyes on the presidency. Yes. And he's in league, yes, as you mentioned, he's in league with Mr. Sinister. Because Mr. Sinister, I'm not sure, I I guess he's giving Mr. Sinister money for something. Not really sure what. I guess to make X-Factor look bad? Eh, access to power, access to money. Mr. Sinister obviously is doing something for his own benefit, and I don't know. It's fine. Senator's power is, let's see, he spells it out somewhere. We see it later. He like just has like hand blasts or something. It's it's like a similar to Scarlet Witch where he causes people to feel drugged or confused or something like that. It's a handy power if you're a politician. Yeah. So, yeah, they have that whole conversation. Um the ability to unsettle the minds of others and cloud their thinking and abilities. A rare talent. Only the Scarlet Witch has anything like it. And once I take on the Avengers, there will be just me. Yeah, the Nasty Boys get into a little fight here. Oh, because uh, the Senator... No, is it the... No, it's uh, Madrox is getting paid and the rest of the Nasty Boys are like, Hey, we want to get paid. Sinister is getting paid. Sin- okay, well, somebody's getting paid. The rest of the Nasty Boys aren't getting paid. Madrox has a goofy line where he says, why, why didn't you use your powers during the first Bush election? Oh, right. And uh, I did. Why else do you think he nominated Quail? Um, the point is, when do we get our cut? Who says that? Uh, is that the 
Uh, that's ruckus or ramrod. I think it's ruckus. Well, yeah. What will you, what you will get, ruckus, is in line. Yes. He punches him with a pock. Sinister punches him. Goes flying into who's this? Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George. I guess who has the ability just to change his shape all around. You may be the leader of the nasty boys, but do not forget, I am your leader. Uh, who's the leader? Is it Ruckus that's the leader or Gorgeous George? Ruckus. Okay. Okay. He introduces him to the uh, senator as Ruckus, the team leader. Uh, yeah. His associate, Ramrod Slab, who I'm sure you remember. And, of course, multiple men. Mm-hmm. And then Madrox is like, eh, you know what, guys? I'm a little tired. I'm going to go lay down. Meanwhile, we switch our attention back to Professor Vic Chalker, and I'm so glad that he introduces his name because I would have never remembered what it was, but uh, he's one of my favorite characters, right? Because he's the guy that built the the exosuit that was just a little too small last time. Well, now he's rebuilt it, and it's the perfect size, but it's so powerful that it ran out of power only seconds after starting it up. So now he has to go back to the drawing board to redesign this exosuit so it doesn't consume so much power and is actually usable. How do I get out of this thing? Yeah. Whatever's going to happen here, I, I hope it's good because I, I do like what they're playing around with, with this little silly guy. I'm very curious to see where this is going or if it's even going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, maybe it doesn't end up going anywhere. It should be fine with as long as it's funny. Polaris approaches Wolfsbane and is like, stay away from my man, basically. And, More or less. Wolfsbane's uh, like, what are you, jealous? You you walked into, you snuck into Alex's bedroom the other night. What was up with that? And you sounds like you're, you sounds like you're a wee bit jealous. I didn't, I didn't have to do anything. Kindly drop the kiddo. I'm only eight years younger than you. And that doesn't, um, she says something about how you've been weird ever since you got back from Genosha. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not. They, they quickly determine after a, after a very brief conversation that they let the fake Madrox go, which is very convenient. Do they? Yeah. They say, I think we're dealing with someone who has the power to turn our own powers against us. And they're talking about Quicksilver. To create situations hmm. or mindsets where our abilities ricochet back, he or she did it with Pietro and Guido and, and Jamie? Jamie? You mean... Either created a situation or ex- exacerbated one that already existed. For example, if Jamie had a dupe that had a secretly re- was secretly rebelling, this ricochet helped to gain more control. And oh boy, that would mean the one who walked out of here was oh, nuts. We got to go find him. Okay. So very quickly, they figure out what's going on, which seemed a little weird to me, but whatever. Yeah. Seems like it would make more sense to be like, huh, Jamie's been acting weird. We should go find him and see if he's being affected the same way the other guys have been affected. And then they could discover that he is an imposter. But it doesn't really matter because uh, it turns out that the the real Jamie Madrox allowed himself to be absorbed because he wanted to see what the end game was for the fake Jamie Madrox. And Ruckus, no, Ramrod walks in. And sees Jamie Madrox uh, convulsing and basically turn himself inside out and pop out as X Factor Jamie Madrox. He shrinks apparently down to the size of a crumpled piece of paper and then pops out of himself. Yep. There's only one genuine original except no substitutes. Multiple man, multiple man. Doing things a multiple can. Like making the renegade dupe believed he conned me and then hiding within him slowly and quietly, take, talking, taking him apart from the inside. No applause, please. Just throw money. And the 
well, a handful or the entire Nasty Boy team attacks multiple man. Um, multiple man's not really having too many problems or issues with this. He does a neat thing where uh, um, uh, Gorgeous George stops him, but then Jamie Madrox creates a dupe who pulls him out of Gorgeous George. It's, it's clever. And then, yeah, there's many dupes that, that will join this fight. Sinister lets him go because he kind of figures where he's going and everybody's like, why would you let him go? It's like, well, I don't want him to get away, but I do want him monitored. We know he's going to the Capitol, so follow him. Right. He's going to go talk to the senator or he's going to go to the Senate. It's kind of like one of those things where this is exactly what I had hoped to happen. Almost, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. They're... Quicksilver is running around the city with Rain. Rain is using her nose to see if she can smell uh, Jamie. Quicksilver is just covering a lot of ground. And eventually they locate around the Capitol. Jamie is around the Capitol. And uh, Jamie makes a bunch of dupes of himself when the Nasty Boys show up in their Cobra Trouble Bubbles. Oh my gosh. The resources at Mr. Sinister's dis, uh, disposal to give these guys their own personal little trouble bubbles. It's amazing. Did you ever have a, I'm sure I've asked you this before, did you have a trouble bubble vehicle in your G.I. Joe collection? Nope. Oh, I, um, I always I wanted one. Those, and I didn't have the Cobra Pogo. <laughs> the, uh, the, like a bigger trouble bubble with legs. I remember the Pogo. The Pogo was stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't have any of those things. That's like the one... I didn't have many G.I. Joe vehicles. The only one I had... Well, I had a couple, but the the only flying one I had was the uh, the Hawk. The the one that didn't... The thing that flew that looked like a helicopter, but didn't have wings. Yeah, I have one of those. Uh, I liked that thing a lot. Oh, and I had a... Remember when they re-released some of the vehicles and painted them silver? Um, I've got the, uh, the, the plane that could go underwater. I can't remember what that thing was called. Like the Shark, I think. Yeah, yeah, I had that. I um, know what you're talking about, yeah. I I wanted the white one, but of course by this time they didn't make that anymore, so I had to settle on the silver one. Came with Deep Six, right? Th- this one didn't come with any action figures, but the original shark, I believe, came with Deep Six and the diver guy. Thought oh. that was a like two figures came with him, but I so might be wrong about that. And torpedo, torpedo. I think that might be right, but I might be wrong. Uh, and the only vehicle, oh, and I also had the Havoc, but that wasn't a. I guess that had a flying thing that came out of the back, like a little hover. Yeah vehicle but the one that i wanted that i never got was both the rattler and the trouble bubble didn't have either of those so in the new line of six inch gi joe figures i do have a trouble bubble now i'm not i can't i'm not i'm not gonna i can't do that it's uh it's it's expensive (laughs) not gonna do it can't do it these figures that they're putting out now are way too expensive but you know i got one sounds like there's a market for them yeah yeah it's in the market is me and his name is adam (laughs) <laughs> so multiple man makes a bunch of multiples um at the capitol and the nasty boys i guess just immediately jump out of their little spaceships and start fighting the multiple mans meanwhile at the senate uh, senator Shafron, i think is his name is is making a uh appeal against dangerous unstable genetically challenged individuals known as mutants outside Quicksilver and Rain show up to help. There is a battle. The battle is probably the weakest part of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Stroman, maybe not the best at drawing. Like, 
in order to follow what's going on in this battle, I really had to rely on the the text from Peter David. Yeah. Because these panels just have figures doing things that don't make any sense. Yes. With the text. Yeah. So not the best. Uh, yeah. Ruckus uses a, a firecracker. The rest, of, the rest of X Factor shows up. Yeah. Um, and th- this this is an example. With a firecracker. Yeah, well, what you're talking about, right? We, you, you can't, like, Havoc blasts, Ruckus does something, and then Polaris hits him. And you're like, what is even happening here? Uh, so, yes, the narration uh, definitely is helpful here. So he does throw a firecracker at her, and he, then when she blasts him, he amplifies the sound a thousand times. Mm-hmm. He amplified the sound a thousand times. Gotta knock him back with magnetic force, and then swallow a bottle of Tylenol. Because I couldn't gather any of that from what was happening on the panel. There is a moment where uh, it would appear that X-Factor are becoming a team because everybody's fighting the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. And then Alex says, you fight this guy and I'll fight this guy. And it makes more sense because our powers are more attuned to the person that we're fighting now. But I only got that from the dialogue. And then the senator... Reveals himself, uses some powers uh, to, to to blast at Alex. Alex fires back and he's like, um, I'd have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you teenagers. And he flies away. He flies up through the roof of the Senate building. Mm-hmm. Out America, I'm coming to spread the word. But we will learn very shortly that this isn't even the real senator. Nope. So fact, next page, we learn that this uh, <laughs> Mr. Sinister is holding the real senator hostage and that he wanted this to happen. Uh, it was important that you had a stand-in today. I made sure the TV saw you. On, I, made, I made sure to leave the TV on C-SPAN. I assume you saw it. Let me remove that gag and we can chat. What have you done? I thought we were partners. I promised you power. I was pre- Once I was president, you ruined me. I already have power. My only concern was you and the difficulties you would have caused for mutants if you gained power. And believe it or not, you would indeed have become president if left unchecked. You would have... You even would have caused the death of Alex Summers and Lorna Dane, and I could not allow that for personal reasons. Oh, wait. So the senator was Mr. Sinister all along. I just got that. Which senator? Which senator? Well, the, the imposter senator was Mr. Sinister. I, I, did, I didn't know. I thought this was—I thought the, the mutant Mr. Uh, the mutant senator was a wholly different character. Oh, okay. I, he, you're right. He is just arriving back. Yeah, he arrives back, but he also says— the senator says, the real senator says, but I'll tell the voters, you are the one posing as me. They'll believe me. Okay, I totally missed that too. I just, I'm just kind of looking through all of this text and I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting and ties up a, a loose plot hole that I thought they were setting up uh, for later. And doesn't, at some point, doesn't senator say that, okay, here it is. When it comes to domination of our kind and the destruction of all those who've ever bore the name X-Men, no one compares to Mr. Sinister. So he's really focused on Alex and Lorna because they have been X-Men. Right. Which is silly, but okay. (laughs) Mr. Sinister pulls out a gun and gives it to the senator. uh, And he says, use it wisely, Ricochet. Okay, so I get it, I think. Um so it was this guy, the senator, who was causing uh, Quicksilver's powers to all that stuff to happen. And then he stopped using his power. Okay, so he, 
this guy is a is a mutant. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. His power is to make your power kind of backfire on you, which he did to Quicksilver for a while. But now, since he stopped and the doctor's looking at him, he's like, you're totally healthy. So, oh, okay. oh, okay. No, that makes sense. I'm getting it. Finally. <laughs> so the... You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, well, you're, you're explaining new information to me, too. So it wasn't, wasn't clear to me either. Uh, I don't know why Mr. Sinister gives him the gun. And I don't know why he says, use it wisely, comma, ricochet. Uh, but he says, you're so tough. You think you're so tough. Is that it? Uh, that he shoots Mr. Sinister, whose cape, metal cape, presumably, is already in front of him. Uh, and Mr. Sinister swipes the bullet back and kills the senator, shoots him in the head. Yep. Right in the forehead. I don't. Assuming that's why he gave him the gun. It's because he knew that would happen. Know why the senator would do that. But Because uh, the senator is a, a, a dumb guy. Okay. Who uh, thought he was more powerful than Mr. Senator for some reason? Mr. Sinister? Well, and then we end with uh, Alex on TV, and there's a splotch of what I'm assuming is blood on the camera, which is weird. I think this is one of the C-SPAN TVs that the Senator was watching, so we're still in Mr. Sinister's little office. Oh, okay. I thought the, the blood splotch was on the camera. And I was like, why wouldn't you clean off the camera? <laughs> this interview no i think this is the senator's blood on the tv um you're totally right and and uh alex is like x factor look see it wasn't our fault we're we're here to help and we're good guys and we're gonna get those nasty boys um x factor's job will be to serve and protect the american people and go where we're needed quite simply ladies and gentlemen you have my blood oath on that as he says right next to a blood splotch from the senator that's what threw me off because I was like, oh, it's it's has something to do with the blood that's on the screen. But then I was like, is that so that's on the camera? And he's yeah, I was I was completely misled. Well, and the other thing is his eyes are kind of like glancing over at the blood splotch. Yeah, which is, it's, it's kind of a weird panel. But and then the I, TV turns off and just completely misread that. That's OK. <laughs> we got it. Incredible Hulk 391 for the beginning of X-Factor's next mission, and then join us back here for a story of Wolfsbane called Excommunication. Yeah, so we'll be covering a little Hulk, it sounds like, next time around. We get a 75th issue two-page spread extravaganza of the original X-Factor team on one side and the new X-Factor team on the other side. By Tom Rainey. And it's uh, it's fine. It's good. I mean, it's good. Needed to figure out how to burn a couple pages, so two-page spread. There you go. Or maybe they just had this two-page spread lying around, and they were like, what are we going to do with this? So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to see um, Mr. Sinister back. I don't know if that was a great issue, but, you know, it works, I guess. It was an all right issue. I mean, obviously, maybe we weren't paying close enough attention to what was going on, or maybe it is just that confusing. But, yeah, I feel like the creative team isn't really shooting uh bullseyes yet well and they, they had to do a double-sized issue so probably also a challenge there fairly new in their their creative uh collaboration uh, and what they're doing with this book and then they have to do it a double-sized issue did you notice that it's getting less jokey yes i, I did it was an edict from on high saying you you gotta stop with all the jokes yeah it's too silly bring it down a notch there were still jokes. I mean, at some point, 
uh, strong guy says, I'm going to order a pizza when everybody is going to do stuff. So, yeah, something like I'm going to max out my credit cards. There was they weren't uh, I don't, they weren't good jokes by any means, but they weren't like groaners like the, I think the last couple of issues were. I don't think they're supposed to be good jokes. And that's fine. It's just the the ones in the last couple of issues, there was and, and a groaner here and there is fine. But like every joke was like, ugh, wah, wah. <laughs> Must be hard to keep that up. Um, or I don't know. How about uh, Wolverine number 51? Wolverine 51 is the Crunch Conundrum part one of three. And remember how Wolverine was different in the last issue? Yes. He's a- He's, he's all new. Well, apparently that's part of the story arc. Yes. Uh, part of his being different. He's in the danger room now. And I guess, okay, uh, strap in. There's a, <laughs> there's a VR setup. Well, hang on. Before you get into that, because that, that is a very important thing to cover. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is I was definitely collecting once issue 50 hit. Um, I was on board for the next, I don't know, however many issues before I stopped collecting X-Men. Because I was like, ooh, number one, these are going to be valuable because we're going to start getting all the origins of Wolverine. And we don't. Uh, but number two uh, is, I don't, is this the first time we're seeing Andy Kubert do artwork? Uh, he is a, he is a guest penciler in this. Yes. And I think very shortly he would take over X-Men yes. proper. Uh, and I think so I I would have read this and I'd have been like, oh, I like this artwork because I do. Uh, and I did, I'm sure. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Andy Kubert will eventually take on either X-Men or Uncanny and um, will be the only reason I, I hang around uh, for longer after Jim Lee and, and co leave. Um, so I think Adam Kubert takes one title and mm-hmm. Andy Kubert takes the other. I don't remember who does what, though. But I think maybe this issue, and I don't, I don't know if Andy Kubert continues, uh, or if um, Mark Silvestri comes back. But it, when I saw, when I would have seen Andy Kubert's name in the pages of the X Men, I'd have been like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with this. Uh, and it may have been the seeds of that, that acceptance may have been from this issue here. I think Mark Texeria does come back. I think he's probably off. Not Texeria, Mark Silvestri. I'm sorry, Mark Silvestri. Sorry, I was going to say Mark Texeria takes over the book after Silvestri leaves. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, Silvestri comes back. He's probably off because of uh, issue 50 being a double-sized oh, issue. Oh, sure. But uh, yeah, he comes back and I think he stays until uh, Image happens. So in any event, I'll let you cover the VR stuff. But before they, they set that up, right, uh, the, the Professor Jubilee Forge Cyclops Storm they they're in the console of the danger room and uh Wolverine is being pushed to the limits not even pushed to the limits sorry they're pushing the danger room to the limits and uh Wolverine isn't even breaking a sweat and he's, so he's not finding this a challenge at all so the professor brings in his top-notch new technology of a VR headset and gear that resembles very closely the Weapon X outfit right it's kind of a neat visual, but it's weird. doesn't make any sense. Wolverine is like, this reminds me of something, but I can't remember. Huh. Anyways, all right. There was a bear. Uh, why would you have virtual reality in the danger room, which is essentially a virtual reality environment? I don't know. <laughs> we're not, I guess virtual reality was hot right now. <laughs> yeah, we're not. I, I don't know, Adam. We're not quite in uh, uh, Shi'ar alien technology, but we've definitely seen holograms and f- like 
um, hollow, hollow suite, a uh, holodeck type stuff in the danger room in the past. So VR. So my remembrance of VR was yes, about this time frame, sort of the blocky, choppy moving with a giant headset and gloves and all that sort of stuff um, was being demoed. In fact, in Canton, New York, my dad took me to a future technology exhibit or something like that at St. Lawrence University. And they had one of those early VR things set up, um, which that didn't quite look like this, but you had like the giant heavy helmet cables coming all over the place. And you were in kind of like a, a ring, a, a small ring. And uh, I think we had to pay like $5 or maybe even more per person to get into it. And it was basically like a, a four player deathmatch style doom like you had a gun and like some platforms um and i thought it was neat to be in that environment i kind of wanted to just look around but people kept shooting me and i kept respawning uh, and i wasn't good at it because it, like the whole system didn't move as fast as you did um mm. so anyways I, I thought it was neat as they're showing a, a blocky shogun or a Shin, shinjin and ogun and uh then a blocky wolverine and and they do this whole vr thing which to your point is like why are they doing this other than to put Wolverine in a setup of gear that is very reminiscent of Weapon X? The in-story reason is that the professor can get a f- eke out a few more uh, levels of intensity through this VR setup than he can in the normal danger room. Okay. <laughs> it's neat. They're using good terminology like Shogun or Shogun, Ogun and Shinjin. Start chopping away at Wolverine. He's like, oh, they hacked a mess of my pixels away. And then he pops his claws and he he destroys them. Uh, But then real looking versions of Ogun and Shinjin appear. And Cyclops is like, or Jubilee's like, what's happening? He's talking like they're real people out there. And they they temporarily put everything that he sees and that uh, an approximation of him on the screen in front of them. So I guess they're looking at a screen. Yeah. But then uh, it doesn't look like they're looking at a screen. I feel like they're looking through the window and the professor is now using sort of like real life VR technology to show what he sees in the helmet. It doesn't yeah, make a lot of sense. Using because the the screen is replaced by uh well, a a TV screen, I guess, in one panel. But then you flip forward a couple pages and now it seems like that's gone. Yeah. So and the in-story reason again for like why do these characters look real is that Wolverine's brain is filling in the gaps or something to make them realistic. Uh so Wolverine or the professor, I think yeah, the professor throws in Lady Deathstrike and Sabretooth. Yeah. So now we have a a full rogues gal- uh, gallery fighting against Wolverine in VR. They're trying to put Wolverine in an over the top stressful pressure situation because they feel like it's more important to do this in the danger room than in the real world. And it's kind of confusing, but what happens is that we learn that Wolverine can now go into a berserker state, but apparently it doesn't make him mindless anymore. Oh, is that what they came up with? Kind of. I mean, it's it's not entirely clear. Yeah. He's to the emotional response pattern of a berserker killer ape, but he retains highly sophisticated combat skills and is capable of complex strategic decisions within a compressed time frame. Mm. So he's berserker, but not berserker. I guess. Uh, Storm and Cyclops leave because 
Wolverine seems like he's degressing into a animal. Right. And they don't like this. Storm and Cyclops are like, I'm not going to be a part of this. We're out. Why is Wolvie different, Professor X? What is it that happened up in Canada? The man we know as Logan has had his memory tampered with extensively. For all we know, the personality we are seeing now could be his original true self. So I'm assuming this is an arc to figure out what's going on and we'll return back to Wolverine as we know him and as we will probably never see him in any comic other than Wolverine. I feel, I don't remember. I feel like they make some comments to it in X-Men. Maybe. Like, Wolverine's more ferocious than he used to be. Because my, as I've mentioned many times, my recollection is that with the yellow suit, they were doing sort of this back to basics wild Wolverine uh, thing. And and you're right. As soon as all these creatives leave, I think it's all out the window. <laughs> Wolverine, he takes off on his motorcycle and Jubilee's like, I want to come. And he's like, no, I'm doing adult stuff. Bye. Pulls out and then we see him talking to a woman at a bar. Yeah, they, they play pool, they drink a drink, they dance, and they end up going back to a hotel. And uh, Jubilee, she wakes up, she's like, I can't sleep, I gotta go find Wolverine, maybe he's in trouble. So she goes to the bar that he was supposed to be at, but he's not there, but she happens to see his motorcycle at the Cloud Nine Motel, and he's like, oh, maybe he's just laying down by himself, I should leave him alone. Or maybe he's in trouble, I better help him. And she sees Jean Grey come out of what well, well, she assumes is Wolverine's room. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes her pretty upset, but so she she leaves, and then we cut back into in, to the inside of the uh, hotel room, and it is Mystique. Right. Well, she turns from Jean Grey into Carol Danvers, and then into Mystique. And Wolverine's like, "Stop it! Stop it! Stop it's doing all that!" First, I. It's the it's she it's the woman at the bar, but maybe yeah. it was supposed to be Carol Danvers. I don't know. That, that, I don't think anybody ever mentions Carol Danvers. Oh, that is that the woman from the bar. Oh, it's the woman from the bar. Yeah, you're, okay, you're right. I, I guess I just assumed it was Carol Danvers, but I, I don't think that's true. Um, I think the implication is that they 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 spent uh, a romantic evening together. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, as this, and this is the new Wolverine. So, but I think they spent a romantic evening together with her as the blonde and then i think he's just she's trying to get under his skin by turning into gene like i don't i don't think he lived out a fantasy but i, yeah. I could be wrong she does say let's... oh she also turns into uh uh what's her face um silver fox yeah she turns into silver fox you were complaining about the illusion a little while ago remember this stop it it's gotten into you i just discovered myself i want to have fun i want to laugh i fooled you didn't i back at the bar Nah, I knew you were really mystique as soon as you walked in. You smell. <laughs> but I could smell something else on you. Fear. So I wanted to see what was going on with you. She has been hunting uh, someone Someone who ref mystique refuses to name mm -hmm. has been hunting mystique, and that's what she's scared of. We cut to the Morlock Alley in the sewers, and we see that Albert has repaired uh, LCD. Back to her original. Well, I guess she's new and improved, but the head's the same. Yeah. Mask wants them to leave, and the uh, monster, the lurker. What was it? What was the guy named? The hunter in darkness. Hunter in darkness. Yep. Shows up, and LCD and Albert take him with them down a series of tubes that Albert has built that leads them to the reconstructed Blackbird that Stealth Albert Bomber. Stealth Bomber. Yep. 
And they, yeah, they get into it. Albert hops on the top, just like we saw him in, I don't know, whatever issue that was when he crashed it. And they fly out of the water. All secure, Albert. And so is Puppy. We're free, Elsie. We're free, Elsie. Free. Jubilee returns back to the mansion. She sees a woman jogging and realizes it's Jean. And she's like, okay, so must have been some shape-shifting floozy with Wolverine. So she gives Jean a big hug. To which I would be like, wait, I wonder if Wolverine knows that there wasn't Jean. Right. I better go back. But maybe she'll do that next issue. Yeah. And is, is it that... Are we trying to establish that Jubilee's got a little crush on Wolverine? Or is she just like... You're my friend. I want to be included with what you're doing. Like we're pals. I want to be, want to hang out with you because you're my friend. Well, I think Jubilee thought that Jean Grey and Wolverine were having an affair. Right. Now that she sees that it's not Jean Grey, she feels better about that. Even though it's still probably even worse if Wolverine's hanging out with a shapeshifter who's looking like Jean. But right. but I don't think that's what actually happened. I mean, I don't. I don't think. Jubilee has a crush on Wolverine. I think she just, you know, right. it's, her, it's her buddy. It's yeah. her pal. Oh, well, that's what I'm hoping for here because she is supposed to be like 14 or something. Right. Um, so anyways, they, uh, Mystique and Wolverine continue talking and, and they're very, she's afraid and can't say the word. And Don't say it, Wolverine. She has sensor probes that are grown in metallic crystal baths within a zero gravity field. So at that point I was like, oh, I know who it is. I didn't. Wolverine even says, her name's a common word. How can a machine weed it out of thousands of times it's said every day? You think old Spiral can, and Spiral shows up and says, Spiral can? In a full-page spread, arms aplenty. It's all, all the in the context, Wolverine. Context and nuance. Next, Mojos and Maniacs. I don't think there's any argument. I uh, I think this is this is just good stuff that uh, Larry Hama's doing. This is a great picture of Spiral mm-hmm. with a arms um i i didn't read wonder man six so why don't you just catch us up there adam i didn't actually read it either because Perfect. i find a copy but all, all i can tell you is i i believe beast is in it and i think he is in the last issue he was knocked unconscious we covered that one and i think he stays unconscious in this whole issue so we'll just if somebody wants to verify that that would be great but otherwise we're we're done so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that brings us to Marvel Comics 85 and 86. We didn't cover the Wolverine story in 85 last time around, so we'll, we'll just do a two for this time around, plus some other backup stories. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying I'm liking what I'm reading so far, and I'm kind of digging the artwork. I don't know what your feelings are on all this. So there's there's it feels like there's two ways to do good Marvel Comics presents stories. Mm-hmm. There's... The Weapon X way, mm-hmm. where you just have a big story and you kind of chunk it into parts, but you have it's a cohesive story all the way through. And then you kind of, you know, find good breaking points and, or maybe adjust whatever. And then there's this where it seems like, and we've only done, we're only going to cover two of these, but mm-hmm. it seems like each eight page story is a, is a cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. You, there's a whole story told in the first thing, mm-hmm. but it's part of a bigger story. But I don't I don't feel like it doesn't seem like it has the problem of previously ones where you have to be caught up on things. It, it just flows well. Yeah, it, it's not boring. Um, <laughs> now, there, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. And there's other things like the artwork is very exaggerated. Um, we could argue 
whether or not the Wolverine storyline with this with this wolf. I mean, we've definitely seen Wolverine hanging out with wolves. It's, all that makes sense. But Wolverine's in the forest naked, uh, helps. He, he eventually touches the wolf, which is his whole goal, uses his claws to kind of chop up some of the meat that the wolf had hunted. Uh, and then they share it together and then they sleep by the carcass. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be Wolverine-ish, but... It's fine. I like it. It's a direct reference to the time that Wolverine snuck up on the deer and Storm was there. And he's like, I like to just sneak up on animals and tap them. (laughs) That's his form of hunting, which, you know, that's good stuff. And then uh, he he visits Tiger Tiger. And I I believe they also have romantic affairs. They do. And I uh, this is the second time that Peter David has written a story. This is Peter David, by the way. where Wolverine and Tiger Tiger sleep together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's the only one trying to make them a thing. Right. But no, nobody else seems to be quite on board with this. Yeah. I, I've never seen anybody else write them in a romantic rela- relationship, but whatever. It's kind of gross where... Uh, I kind of created her, but didn't want to do that, it seems. Yeah. She goes in for a kiss and she's like, oh, catch up on your sideburns. And he's like, uh, yeah, I, I got to be more careful about that when I eat. I got to be tidier when I eat, which it's blood. Shows, uh, <laughs> so uh, then the other story that happens in the same eight pages is that a mysterious man with metallic hands has killed somebody who was cheating at cards. And now he's arriving in Madripoor and he has blood on his hands and the guy says, what's this red substance on your hand? Catch up. And he says, oh, I must learn to be tighter when I play cards. So there's a parallel happening. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good storytelling. Uh, he does get name checked. Are You are the gentleman called Cyber? Oh, okay. Good. The name is correct. The description is questionable. <laughs> and uh, General Coy is here and, and he's been, a, well, I mean, the representative of General Coy, uh, yeah. who has been a recurring character. Right. I don't know. Yeah, maybe but not. Present. Sure. <laughs> I know General Coy has been, so there's probably he's probably got a right hand man. Uh, and so then that takes us to Marvel Comics Presents number 86, in which, um, yeah, it's I don't know. Climbing the wall of the General Coy's stately mansion. <laughs> right. Stately Coy mansion. Uh, with his claws, there's a little bit of thought in there. Like, I never thought I'd be doing this, but here I am. This the cyber guy <clears throat> visits uh, General Coy. Greetings, sir. I am Coy. I myself am painfully shy. I think I'm confusing General Coy with uh, that new mutant and her father. Coy. No, the General Coy is the uncle of that. Oh, okay. Mutant. All right, then I'm not confusing them. So you are correct. Neat. They're about to do some business dealings when Cyber's like, wait, I sent something. And, it's uh, kind of a neat panel of Wolverine climbing here where we get three zoomed out. It's kind of kind of a generic building that he's climbing, but other than that, it's sort of neat. We get a close-up, it zooms out to a little farther away, and then we zoom out to the full side of the building that he's climbing up with his claws. Uh, there's a bit of a one-page flashback where he's like, uh, Tiger Tiger asked me to do this. Mm-hmm. Which is different than what happened in the last issue where he just decided he was going to do it because he smelled something was wrong. He mm-hmm. smelled something, but whatever. 
He sneaks around. He sneaks into General Koi's manor, and there's a cat who sees him, and he tells it to shush. And there's some dialogue about how uh, a, you wouldn't know a good joke if it leaped from behind a potted plant and clawed you to death, which is a very specific thing that Wolverine is behind a potted plant. Well, you're also missing the references. Oh, oh Rimmer and Lister? Yeah. The, the yeah, two yeah. goons here are Rimmer and Lister, and they're... That, from Red Dwarf. Yeah. So Red Dwarf must have been somewhat popular in this time. I don't know. Uh, was the show out yet? Well, it had to have been. Because the, the books came before the show, or did the show come before the books? I have no idea. I feel like Red Dwarf has been around. Red Dwarf is one of those shows where I've seen a few episodes, and I'm like, okay, it's fine. Uh, but I know that there are just some diehard fans. Uh, and I feel like it's just either been on forever or in syndication forever. I've seen enough episodes to know that I liked it. I read all four of the books. Um, it's a good alternative to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, okay. Similar writing style to that. It's um, been a show since 1988, I believe. Okay. So Definitely would not have been on my radar at the time of this. And it looks uh, like... They rebooted it, or they continued it on with new characters. It looks like it's still going, to be honest. I think it's still going. Yeah. Okay. There with, was a very yeah. there was a very long break between 1999 and 2009, and then okay. a series in 2012, 2016, 2017, and 2020. So, I, I like that. Right. Uh, we don't have anything to write, so let's just take a break. Oh, I've got a new story. So ten years have passed. Let's just do that. Yeah. Now, maybe maybe I'll add this to the list and maybe I'll watch this one of these days because I, I know people that will just endlessly quote it. I have always wanted to uh, watch it. I've seen a handful of episodes. The backwards episode was hilarious, um, but I don't know what season or what I've seen or whatever. But yeah, the books are great. So Oh my gosh. And and each season is like six to eight episodes. Some of them are even three. Oh, yeah. this is my jam. <laughs> it's like a classic British show. Yeah. Right. I've always I've always intended to watch it and just never never gotten around to it. This this, this uh Marvel comic like again, I've been aware of Red Dwarf since I was a child. Uh but this little dialogue between these two uh throwaway characters this might be the motivation I need to just watch the darn thing. That's all it took. <laughs> so, anyways. We get to see Cyber's... He's been wearing a cloak this whole time, or a trench coat, and he finally takes it off. And we get to see that his arms are uh, metal, metal muscular. He's got like a little cowl on, similar to Batman, but without the ears. Um, Wolverine continues sneaking around and then is grabbed by the neck through the wall by Cyber. And apparently they know each other. It seems the exterminators have been lax and there's a rat coming, crawling the premises. So it is you. I thought you were dead. Odd you don't look dead. Right. So this must be a reference to uh, when the X-Men died in Texas. No? This is a a specific reference to something that we don't know about. Oh. Say, uh, Wolverine says, you don't know how long I've waited for this. And Cyber says, yes, I do. And you were no more successful than this time. I was there the last time you tried to kill me. So they've met before, and apparently Cyber left Wolverine for dead. Okay. That's weird because... Maybe we'll get that backstory in the next couple of issues. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so that just means Cyber doesn't watch TV. Yeah, probably. 
Uh, Cyber does pretty quickly use his little fingertip claws to gut Wolverine, and Wolverine runs away. Cyber's like, where are you going? You can stand and fight. And uh, Wolverine throws himself out of a window. Well, Wolverine's claws pop and say snicked. Cyber's uh, fingernails pop and say synced. Oh, you know what? I was reading it so fast that I thought his said snicked as well. But a little clever detail. Synced is, yeah, that's a good detail. So obviously setting up that these two are formidable foes. And I don't know if it's spelled out here, but all of the metal on uh, Cyber is adamantium. So he has like adamantium arms. Right. Somehow. I know that because you've told me that. I don't think that that was spelled out in this issue. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was or not. So cutting over to the Firestar story where we continue the adventures of Firestar and her dad. Ugh. She brings an unconscious mystique to, I forget who these guys are, but they're the guys who promised to bring her father a, a lung or something. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Freedom Force is like, we've got to go get mystique back. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, she's got a tracer on her, so we'll trace her back. And they collaborate with Spiral to figure out a way that they're going to uh, kill a Firestar in this um, oh, and this whole thing is narrated by a report from uh, Mystique, which is leading up to Firestar's death. Right. So, which doesn't happen in this issue, but presumably, I'm assuming Mystique and is going to make a deal with Firestar to allow her to be quote unquote dead. Probably. The, the bad guys say, Firestar, will you join our team? She says no. So they try to kill her. And then she, uh, at that time, Freedom Force breaks into the the fortress bad guys fortress whatever and firestar walks into a room where they're operating on people i guess yeah Uh, it doesn't doesn't really show it but i'm just gonna imagine that it's more detailed than they give it credit here who are the it's mystique and two other people so the 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 person in the middle is firestar's friend meg okay i don't know who the third person is maybe her Meg's dad. It says Meg Fallon and Howard Fallon, but I don't know who he is. And there's something happening in the in the background there that looks like floating tubes and maybe I don't know, pieces of people. But it, it, you're right; it doesn't look horrific at all. But uh, Firestar comes and she starts zapping these doctors, and she's like, "You butchers! You butchers!" And so then Firestar's like, "All right, I want to let you go, but you have to leave me alone." And she's like, no, "I'm not going to do that." But you do what you need to do, inferring that she's not afraid to die or what's going to happen next. So Firestar lets her go anyways. And then the boss, boss cross of the bad guys has a big giant metallic suit with a saw blade coming off the side of it and a missile coming off of the other arm. Right. Pretty dumb. (laughs) (laughs) It's par for the course when it comes to uh, some of these Marvel comics presents. It's the 90s. And speaking of the 90s, we get Rob Liefeld doing a Beast story, which wasn't too bad. It was not actually too bad. Um, artwork and story, uh, not bad. A, a, a little bit, uh, a little sad too, right? So um, Beast, back when he was you know, pre-X-Men, he met a, a lady who uh, is beautiful and had taken a bit of an interest in him. Maybe romantic, maybe not, but either way, you know, they become pals. They start talking all the time. They go to the prom together. Uh, a lot of t- uh, uh, classmates are making fun of her or him, really, for being kind of a, 
big guy and whatnot. And she stands up for him and ultimately gets him a spot on the football team. And he blows the coach away with his leaping and bounding. And then throughout all of this, there's kind of like a subplot where Beast is retelling the story to a uh, native French speaker who speaks no English. Uh, but eventually they kind of become pals and that this French guy's like, oh, why, why don't you continue telling me the story, even though I don't understand it? So he kind of likes the company of Beast, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, eventually, you know, they, they, they go to college and they go to different colleges. Very realistic thing that happens. They kind of drift apart a little bit. Uh, right before a big football game, she calls to wish him luck, but there's a there's a break in the phone call and she's about to... He thinks in his mind, and I don't know if he ever got confirmation of this, she's about to say, I love you, Hank. Um, and, and he is very happy by this. And then the events of what happened in X-Men, I guess, 52, which is when he was fighting the Conquistador. I barely remember this story. Uh, oh. <laughs> occurred. Well, I mean, it tells you right here in the comic, but yeah, I, right. I do remember those things happening. Um, you know, the X-Men come in and, and save Beast, and then Professor's got to wipe everybody's mind, including her mind because she was you know not intimately related but, but knew all the details of what was happening in beast's life and then the constrictor attacks beast and i don't care but apparently the <laughs> the girl is at the conference that uh beast is flying out to which is the some sort of and, the, and as we know from last issue there's also a serial killer on the loose but it has something to, it's like some sort of mutant symposium right so somehow she is a genetic expert. She's probably going to be an expert on mutants. Who knows? Right. Uh, Some latent reason that she doesn't know why, but she's always had a fascination with mutants. And but I'm, I'm, I'm. This is good so far. So I'm curious about it. it says the pencils are by Rob Liefeld and Jay Lee. Mm. So I don't know how that works. I wonder if does, I don't. I know Jay Lee is a penciler. Uh, but does he ink as well? Flashbacks are a little bit different, so maybe he just does the flashbacks. Oh, maybe. But there's only there's not. Well, no, I guess she's in the flash. She looks like Rob Liefeld in the flashbacks too. It just looks like the football page is different. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. So that maybe does not. Yeah, the football the stuff page. doesn't look at all like um, Rob Liefeld. And I think this is Jay Lee's style. I um, I would agree, Jay Lee. But I I know he did some heavily inked uh batman and superman covers that i've seen after after jim lee leaves x-men i think jay lee maybe does some guest pencils from time to time and i was like oh i wonder if he's related to jim lee which actually you know what i know jay lee from what? uh there was a gi joe transformers oh. forge series crossover which i think was image comics as after after the the properties both left marvel oh and i think he did the he definitely did the covers, but he might have also done the interiors. But there's some cool uh, covers of Snake Eyes fighting like a Transformer or something like that. I don't know. It's cool. I never read those. And uh, his style is very. I mean, this this seems like a very early version of that. Those those are super cool. Okay. Covers at least. Um, yeah, this wasn't bad. No. Scott Lobdell wrote the story. Looks curious to see if it's gonna maintain a decent pace like this and or if it's just going to turn into a, a clunker now that the constrictor's there and yeah <laughs> it's always it's, a possibility it's a it's an eight parter so it feels like feels like it's going to be two parts too long this right. feels like a good six parter maybe uh and that takes us to avengers trap the vault i 
skimmed all of this. I don't, I don't really like. So it, it's very um, Venom heavy, and I, I guess I don't like Venom. I don't like his style. I don't like the way he's drawn. <laughs> okay. I don't like anything about Venom. So it's a good thing I never I saw that Venom movie. I always thought I never saw the Venom movie either, but I always thought Venom was kind of cool, especially in the original days when McFarlane was drawing him. Well, I think it made sense then, but now it's just, I guess it's Eddie Brock and he just hangs out with his big tongue hanging out all the time, drooling. Yeah. I don't mind it. I I read some of the Freedom Force bits here and, and really just kind of skimmed through everything else because I, I just didn't care. Um, but what I took away from it was they're all trapped in a vault and there's a bomb that's going to go off and they're going to die. There's a big superhero vault that all the supervillains are kept at that keep them, I don't know, powerless, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, Venom orchestrates a breakout. Uh, Captain America and Ant-Man are there for some reason. Um, And then once this breakout starts happening, apparently it's wired. There's like a bomb that will go off in the case of supervillains escaping. Uh, and the bomb is normally controlled by the president or something, but now the, uh, the head of the prison has some sort of, he, he wants revenge for some reason for the death of his parents. I don't remember. Uh, uh, but anyway, Freedom Force is called in to stop the uh, prisoners from escaping. And there is a speculation throughout this that they're going to side with the bad guys because they used to be bad guys. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the bad guys get the drop on Freedom Force and say, hey, call in the Avengers because uh, the Avengers are also here and uh, we'll, we'll get the jump on them. And Mystique immediately agrees to do that. And it seems like she has, she doesn't really want to, but she sees like there's no choice. Right. But then it turns out that she was talking over the radio that all of the Avengers could hear on. So the Avengers actually get the jump right. on the supervillains before right. they get the jump on Captain America. Um, and Mystique just says, yeah, that was the plan all along. And uh, just to put this in time, Crimson Commando and Silver saber are here super saber destiny is not not. so well destiny died the same time crimson commando and super saber died no uh, super saber died in that marvel comics presents or no it was annual it was annual's backup where they were in some foreign country right who destiny died in the pages of uncanny well another uh avalanche was wounded in that battle did what's that Avalanche was wounded, yeah. I thought... Oh, the uh, the stone guy. Yes, uh, Stonewall. Stonewall. He dies when Destiny dies, and he's not here, so... Yeah, he's not here as well. So it takes place after that, but obviously before... That one annual. ...killed as well. It was all right. I mean, if you like this sort of thing, it's it's sort of fun. It's good art. It's Ron Lim art. He uh, He's always good. Uh, you got your Avengers. You got your Freedom Force. All I can say is this was 65 pages. <laughs> I read it in parts so it didn't feel like 65 pages but i suppose if it wasn't a 65 pages i wouldn't have read it in parts <laughs> yeah but 65 you know, pages uh in the end everybody gets returned to prison maybe some people escape i can't remember 
A lot of prison guards die. Freedom Force uh, teams up with the Avengers. Freedom Force teams up with the Avengers and Blob says, no, this was almost worth getting blown up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they managed to disarm the bomb uh, with the help of, I think, Thunderball, uh, a villain, uh, part of the Wrecking Crew. Mm-hmm. And then the Avengers have to work with some more of the villains because the the Truman Marsh, the head of the facility, after the bomb gets disarmed, he doesn't like that. So he want, he goes and sets off a nuclear reactor in the basement of the facility. Um, and then the Avengers have to work with the bad guys to absorb all of the radiation and save the day. Yep. And by that time, I, wasn't, I was checked out because Freedom Force had left. Well, they're still there, but they're not important anymore. They're not doing anything. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it. Yeah, man. That's everything. That's a wrap. That's another episode of B-Sides in the Books. B-Sides in the Books. That's what we're calling this from now on. B-Sides in the Books. I don't agree with that. I'm just going to keep saying that until it's funny. Oh. B-Sides in the Books. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to... It's going to take a while, I think, to make that <laughs> funny. Damn it. But good luck. Okay. Just leave the recording on. I'll I'll just <laughs> just hours. Just me and the audience. Besides in the books. I don't know why you would record that. I mean you could just loop it. Well, I gotta you know, I gotta change it up sometimes. Besides in the books. Well, that's what software is for. <laughs> oh well, you know, I'm not I wanna do this the natural way. Oh, okay. This is my art, man. Stop messing with my art. No, sorry, sorry. I'm just trying to take some shortcuts. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Got anything else, Adam? Besides in the books. Um, You can contact us and and let us know if uh, besides in the books is funny um, at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, X us at Danger Room Go, Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, or go out and check out patreon.com slash danger room where we've got more content. Our theme is what did you say? Excess at danger room go. I did look at you. Wow. Yeah. That's the, I'm, I'm not saying X formally known as Twitter. That's stupid. That is so technologically modern of you. <laughs> I don't know if it's accurate, <laughs> but look, if you're going to change your name, you got to go all in. You can't like caveat with it. Oh, by the way, this is what we used to be, but this is what we are now. So X us at, twi- at uh, Danger Room Go. Okay. <laughs> I applaud your forward thinking. <laughs> and uh, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And with that, Adam, is there anything else? Besides in the books? <laughs> Till next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. You're supposed to say it one more time. I, you know, I got you to laugh already. So, okay. I'm good. Besides in the books. No, thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) Makes my day. Until next time, the danger room is closed. (laughs) 